Hello and welcome to Work, Rest and Slay, the podcast for the Image Business Club. My name is Melanie Morris and I'm Group Contributing Editor at Image Media. This podcast series is the place to come to for a concentrated burst of business mentorship as we ask our guests to basically condense and share their key experiences so that we can all live and learn in their footsteps. Today, I'm talking with athlete, author, businesswoman, and coach on Ireland's fittest families, Dervil O'Rourke. As a former sprint hurdles athlete and three times Olympian, Dervil competed internationally in the 60 and 100 meter hurdles and holds the Irish national record in both events. Since retiring from competitor athletics, Dervil's second career has centered around wellness and helping motivate others to live their very best high performance lives. Dervil channels everything through her community on dervil.ie and along with her business partner Greg O'Gorman is at the helm behind tech startup Digital Health Resource in her native Cork. She's a mum of two and as mentioned at the top, Dervil is an incredibly inspiring coach on Ireland's Fittest Families, a show I think we all ashamedly watched flopped on the sofa on a Sunday evening, possibly with far too many unhealthy weekend treats under our belts. So maybe that's the first thing she can maybe help us with. Dervil has learned loads throughout her careers. So let's dig deep and find out the true keys to maximizing our performance. Dervil O'Rourke, thank you so, so much for being with us today. And I know that you're going to have such a great spin on business because obviously you didn't come into business through business school. You came into business through winning so many awards and medals and such an amazing career through athletics. So firstly, hello and thank you very much for being with us today, Derville. Thanks for having me. I'm going to totally throw you now at the start though because I actually went to business school. I went to... um, yeah, I went to Smurf Business School in when I was still competing. So this is probably like a bit of a point in that I was always doing other things. So I went to Smurf Business School and did a master's in business management um, while I was still running. But it was like running was my real job and business school was sort of like a bit on the side, a bit of crap. <laughs> God almighty. So you've got both sides. You've got brain and body engaged. Um, Dervil, can you tell us a little bit uh, Firstly, I suppose, about the athletic side of things, how do you discover that you're not just really good, but you're really, really good? And then how does that become your life? And how did you then transition out of it? Yeah, it's so interesting because, like, I think there's talent, and but I think that's not enough. So when I was a kid, I was I was good. Like, I you know, I rarely got beaten, um, was winning a lot of races when I was small. But then I went into being a teenager and, like, I wasn't extraordinary by any stretch of the imagination, but I was good and I loved it. And I worked really, really hard. And I think it was the love, like I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of joy in it. Like running was really joyful for me. Like it very much felt like it set me free. I loved the process of it. I loved training hard, aiming at a race, then going to the race and getting the result that I had trained for, you know, and those races would have been, like much smaller than they became when I got older. And, you know, so so that, like, I just kept in it because I loved it. And then I think when it became more serious was I went to college, I went to UCD, um, I got a scholarship there. And once I was on scholarship, I think it became very much like, okay, 
someone now is investing financially in my running so my running has to kind of produce results and mm. that so that was like that scholarship was really important to me it was it was something that really mattered in me getting through college and it was just a huge support and then kind of when I started college in 2000 and it was the same time as the Sydney Olympics I knew a lot of people who went to the Sydney Olympics and I was really gutted not to be there even though it wasn't realistic that I could have been there it wasn't good enough but that kind of set something in motion for me to be like okay I'm going to get to Athens in 04 how am I going to get there and it was slow like there was never a moment where it was like wow now I know I'm really good at this I've nailed it so like the thing about a sport like track and field and a career like being a professional athlete is you genuinely are genuinely are only as good as your last race so whatever your last race is is where you're at so like even I became world champion in 2006 and then within a few months I was I've been beaten again on the circuit and you know that world championship medal like well it's in my house now and it's really important to me but on the circuit and back when you're back in that game like no one cares anymore like they care the day you win it and the, some people care the day after but um so it was always like my career was always this long process of aiming at something working really hard trying to make it different phases you know that early phase of it's almost like business you're trying to prove concept like so early phase career you're like I think I'm good enough to go to the Olympics but qualifying is how you prove that concept so that's how I would kind of relate it to business and then then once you prove the concept, it's like, how do you scale it? Like, so scaling, it's like going to those champs and winning medals. So I would have gone from qualifying to going and trying to win medals to then eventually trying to win medals. And then you're winning the medals. You're like, oh my God, how do I actually keep winning the medals? I didn't realize that was the hardest part. I have to say, like when I started my career, I thought, oh my God, winning any medal would be incredible. And then I won world gold. And I was like, oh my God, how do I win another one? Like this is <laughs> the first medal was the easiest one. The world gold was my first medal the easiest medal I ever won I went on oh I my god yeah it was the easiest and then all of a sudden it was like the pressure was on the stakes were raised so but it was really enjoyable like I do and I know this is like a phrase that's bandied about a lot but like pressure you know is a privilege and it was a privilege very few people get to live in that world at that level and be a player in it and I was for a period of time so it was amazing and then the transition was an interesting one because I always knew my career would end. I was never in denial about it. I was very conscious of this is like, this is not forever. And I, I end up having a really long career. So my career is about 14 years, whereas most people go to, very few people go to more than one Olympics. And I went to three. Wow. So I was always doing so. So that's kind of back to the point to start like business school. Like when I was running, so I'd have every year, I'd have like my on-track goals. So it'd be like, you know, win Europeans, try and win worlds, try and get a medal at Olympics. And then off track, I'd be like, what am I doing off track that if tomorrow morning I wake up and I can never run again, how do I walk away? And I always did stuff off track so that I knew I was robust enough to walk away. And business school was part of that. So then when eventually I decided to retire, it was 20, kind of 2013 going into 2014, I decided I didn't want to go to the Rio Olympics. I needed to, not, I just wanted to leave. I had surgery and I was, I was happy to close the door on it. But I had a lot of, I had a lot of, um, lot of different things, a lot of varied experience in different areas to feel like I could walk and be employable or I could work for myself. And um, that was really, really important to me. So the transition in terms of practicality was pretty simple because I did have some opportunities. But in terms of the emotional side of it, that was probably harder. Um, and I would say take it, it probably took me until the Olympics this year to truly feel like 
I could look back and be really grateful for my career and not look back thinking, oh, I wish I'd run this time or I wish I'd won this medal or it took me, it's taken me that long, which is probably like eight years. So Derville, um, right now, I know that you have founded a business, uh, co-founded a business called Digital Health Resource. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what, what you do through that? Yeah, so the business is essentially... Like when I retired, I, I always loved healthy lifestyle. Like I find it so interesting. Like it was a genuine interest for me. So when I was competing, I, I used to be like, okay, where are the areas I can gain? So like, how do I, it's not just the running. It's not like just turning up and doing a running session. It's like, what do I need to eat? Like, what are my mental strategies? Um, and I found some amazing people who gave me all this like really amazing all these amazing tools like to be my best self so when I retired I was like I'm still using a lot of those tools just feel day to day and then I had my daughter Daphne and I found I found becoming a mother actually a game changer because all of a sudden I went from being like really independent being able to do what I want when I wanted to having this little baby to mind and being very responsible. And I realized really quickly that I had to mind myself and all of that. I was like, right, I need to mind myself here. Um, how do I mind myself? And I was kind of fumbling about trying to figure out how to mind myself. And then I found like my friends were in a similar scenario to me where like, they'd be like bogged down with like work and kids. And so I was like, so I started trying to coach them and help them. So when I was trying to coach them, I was going, is there something in this to coach more than just my two buddies? Like, and I started, I was very interested in the digital space and because I'd written my two cookbooks and they had been really well received. I was like, I think I need to turn this into a digital product. So I spent like two years trying to figure that out. And then um, I got connected with Greg O'Gorman in a mentoring capacity. And he, I was like, right, this is what I'm trying to do. And I was like, I had like a whole wall in the attic in my house of printed out things of what I was trying to do. So I was there, like brought him to my house, to the attic. I was like, so I want to do this. And then I want to do this. And this is visually how it looks. And this is how people need to experience it. And like, life is hard for women. Like it's really hard for us to mind ourselves. And this is, I'm trying to come up with a solution for this. And he was like, right. He was like, I actually think you're onto something. And he was like, I'll help you. And then after about two or three months of working together and him just helping me just to be sound, um, I was like, right, actually, I what I don't want is for you to just help me. What I want is a business partner because where my weaknesses and gaps were, were a lot of where he was strong. So we ended up um, just, yeah, just forming like a business. And Derville.ie was the subscription healthy lifestyle product that came out of that. And it's almost three years old and you know then a year ago we launched a product um a product site where like it's all like a lot of irish health and wellness products in one place on shop.derville.ie and we do a little bit of corporate work um so now we're we kind of went from myself and greg in the attic in my house me pointing at bits of paper to um there's six of us full-time in the business and yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's That's big. That's big for a digital business. But I have visions of you like Minority Report up in yeah. your up in your attic, whatever, with your big plans and everything. But it just shows that the strategies and the ambition and the focus and the goal setting that you put into sport literally transitions over so well to the business side of your life. Yeah, like when I was 
when I was in track and field, I would say a key, a key element to my, if you want to call it success in the sport was I was very like structured and I was very, I used to almost high performance manage myself. So I would sit down and I'd be like, right, this is the goal. The, and the goals are always lofty. Like they were always like, they were like to win the Olympics, to be world champion. Like those are the goals. And I, I hit on some of them and I didn't hit on all of them. Mm. So those would be the goals. But to get to that goal, you have to, what's your strategy? Like what's the roadmap to get there? And every September I used to sit down and it's like, I used to have these like high performance meetings with myself. And I sit down like, right, okay, Derville. And I'd be writing it out and I'd be planning, I'd be doing all the learnings from the year before. And then I would surround myself with this structure of people who I really trusted who I felt could were could come on that journey and get me to where I wanted to go and kind of be like, you know, you feel like you need to have almost a bit of an army with you when you're doing something that's so competitive globally. And I found with the business, when I started doing the business, a lot of that stuff applied, like a lot of that kind of sitting down, planning it out, structuring, like where are we actually trying to go and how does that look and how does that feel and how do we get there? And where, where are the potential areas? Like, where are we exposed? Like, where could there be problems? And it's the same in athletics. It was like, you know, where, where's, it, where's the exposure, you know? And like, even I'm, I'm doing a tiny bit of coaching at the moment, just a tiny bit in athletics. And I've one athlete, and one of the things is like, you know, because she's had injuries, like, where's her exposure? Like, and I have to look at that now for her. So it's the same in, you know, in the business. So I, like, I love that. I love planning. I love stepping back from stuff. I love looking at it. Yeah, I, fi I find it really interesting. Well, that's, in that's interesting to us because obviously things don't happen by accident or by coincidence. So, you know, planning, this, this is what happens to somebody that plans. <laughs> they win medals <laughs> and they win in business. So let's get down to some of your, let's shortcut your career into a few easy nuggets of learning that hopefully we might all be able to um, pick up some words of wisdom from where you've gone ahead of us. Derville, will you kick off with your first nugget for us? I will kick off. So my first nugget, I said, right, we may as well go straight into the thing that takes people down very quickly, has taken me down on many occasions. Finances, uh, cost it out. What, what are your costs? What do you need to bring in to break even? And what do you need to actually make some money out of whatever you're doing? And that was really important in my athletics career because athletics is like, you don't make a lot of money as a professional athlete. Um, and you're you're never you're never guaranteed money. So I always every September would sit down and literally do a financial plan for the next year. I'd be like, okay, this is how much it costs me to be renting in Dublin to train in Dublin. This is how much my training camps are. And in the business, um, we cost things out. Like we never make decisions without knowing how much things cost. I say never. We have in the past. We don't now. Like when the business was starting, we were very much trying to trying to figure it all out. Um, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been as good at costing it out. And now we're really good at costing it out because like you need to know, you can have a brilliant idea, but it mightn't be commercially viable. And I think that reality is really, really important. Brilliant. And obviously this is the same. You, 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 the cost can be a financial cost, but it can probably also be time and resources. Am I right? They all yeah. figure. Yeah, I think people often don't factor, like when I say cost it out, I cost out my own time. So like if I, and like, that's a bit like, if we're taking on a new opportunity in the business, I'm like, okay, well, how much time is that going to be for me? How much time is that going to be for Greg? Because 
we have a certain amount of hours every day. And like Greg is similar to me in that, like he is, he has three kids, he's very busy and he's trying to juggle that as well. So you have to consider your own time. And I often like, because I'm in, like, I'm really fortunate in that, like I know loads of women in business and that's a big thing. I think sometimes it, as women as well, we can undervalue our own time and how much your own time into a project is. But I'll often find that I'm working at home at night after the kids go to bed. And then I try and factor that in. And my next few days, I'm like, I just work two and a half hours at home or at the weekend, I did five hours. Um, so I think factoring, factoring all that in is really important. I think there's also something to be said in the fact that, you know, if something takes too many resources, obviously financial is one thing, but if it takes too much time, if it takes too much of your soul, if it oh. takes too much of your family life, you haven't got a deal. It's in their favor. You're not winning. But yeah, but also, you know, that's you hitting a really good one there because like, what is that cost to your joy? Like, does it bring you energy? Like, like one of the things I was saying, you know, I'm doing a little bit of coaching, but I'm doing a little bit of coaching because it brings me joy and gives me a bit of energy. And it's not something that drains me or is de-energized. I enjoy it. You know, I'll, I'll pop down to my athlete today for an hour who's going to train near where my office is that will bring me energy. That's better for my overall life. But if it de-energizes you, and I think you should be very, and I've made those mistakes where I found myself in situations that I took on opportunities that actually I go, this is not for me. And this is not, you know, and also that's people like you have to be very careful who who's around you. And if it's an opportunity, who are you working with in that opportunity? And like, how does that feel for you? And does that person like are they on, like, for want of a better word, like, are they on the kind of the same vibe as you? Do they have the same type of energy as you? And if they don't, there's just going to be conflict. And I think life's too short for conflict. So just, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Assess and, 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 and look at it with the, with the appropriate eyes. Okay, next, next nugget, Derville. Okay, next nugget is, um, has it already been done? If it has been done, who did it and how did they do it? So when I started out my athletics career, I was a great woman for figuring out who had run fast and how they had run fast. And I recently, I just, I did the Olympic coverage for RTE with Sonia Sullivan and Rob Heffernan. And it was such a laugh. Like, again, that's something that brought, it was work, but it brought loads of energy to me. And after we do the coverage, every evening we'd have a glass of wine, right? It was like, kind of like being on like a, a, an Olympic retirees holiday or something. So we'd talk about athletics <laughs> on TV and then we'd go and we'd drink wine, the three of us in the evenings. So um, I was telling Sonia, I was like, oh, at the start of my career, I emailed her this long email because I was so, I so wanted some of what she was doing. I knew she was so good. I didn't ever feel I could be Sonia level because I think she's so extraordinary. I think her career is so phenomenal. But I was like, if I could be like 10, 15% of what Sonia's done, so I need to know how she does it. Like I need to know everything. And I emailed her and asked her all these questions. And I was telling her, she sent me this really long email back and she gave me all this information. And it was so, it was so relevant. It was so helpful. It was such a lovely roadmap, like, and it gave me a great starting point, but it was really funny because um, she doesn't remember emailing me back. I was there, oh my God, Sonia, like I was so inspired and you don't even remember like how inspirational you were for me. And she was laughing going, I'm sorry. Like you, and the, but then she was saying like, she was like, if you catch me on a good day, like I'd be great. And she's like, on another day, I might've forgotten to email back. <laughs> Fate can be funny in that way, but there's nearly always someone, no matter what you're doing, who has done it and knows how to do it. And or there's people who've done it and they failed at it. So learn from that. Like, why are you trying to do things from scratch? Like, and I when I was setting up Derval.ie, like 
I was like, who in Ireland has this type of community that I want to have? And I met up with a couple of people and I picked their brains and they were brilliant. And they definitely influenced decisions I made on Durban.in. Even this morning, like I've come from meeting um, a personal trainer about an aspect of the content we're working on at the moment is gym-based stuff because we don't have gym-based stuff. It's all, all home workouts and it's amazing. And I'm like, let's try and do some gym-based stuff. So I've come from a trainer who's who's done that and like just sat with her for an hour and picked her brain because she's done it and she knows how to do it. Don't always think you need to figure it out. I love your point um, or more Sonia O'Sullivan's point about if you catch me on a good day. And I think it's so true because we're all so busy. We've all got so much to do, but we're all kind of kind of well-intentioned. And I think if you pick your moment and a little bit of luck, I think people are very good at sharing their experiences. I think the other thing is, and I um, I would always say, like, don't take it personally because people contact me all the time for, I mean, I swear, like we would be laughing in the office, the variety of things people contact me about. But I, and most of the time I can't do whatever it is because I just, there's a reality around my life and the amount of hours in a day. But some of the times I can do it. And just because I say no once doesn't mean I'll say no in two months time. It just means in that moment, I have no capacity. And then maybe I will have capacity. And I thought that was interesting with Sonia because at that time, at the age I was at, I was like 22. I would have actually emailed her back again and asked her again. I wouldn't have felt like there was a rejection. And I think, I think we can take things very personally. Like, oh, I emailed the person I asked them for help. They never bothered getting back to me. Again, it's back to your point. Like, it's not that you didn't bother they were just probably at capacity that day and they maybe forgot. Like I sometimes am about to fall asleep and I remember someone I haven't contacted about someone go, Oh God. So yeah, don't ever take it personally. And also maybe that person that you're looking for information for from can't hasn't helped you or can't help you for whatever's going on with them, but somebody else will help you, you know, ask someone else. And there's not, there's nothing wrong with the power of the gentle nudge. You know, yeah. I think, I think the stalker maybe, slightly scary but the gentle nudge we all it's we all need a gentle nudge from time to time too to be yeah. helpful yeah, yeah absolutely brilliant next one these are great <laughs> okay my next two are kind of tied up together and kind of tied up to the last one so talk to the informed people because something like I have found is lots of people will kind of give you a little bit of their opinion but if what you're trying to do is not like standard and it's like if you're trying to start a business or you're trying to get something going or not everybody's opinion is relevant. So I think talking to the informed people. So like I even I hear it all the time, like because I'm in different business groups with people are giving their opinions and stuff. And sometimes I'm kind of sitting there, oh, I don't know, is that opinion actually very relevant? So I think being able to cut out the noise um, is really important. And the next thing I would say is, um, you just ask, so I emailed Sonia that time started my career. I sat with people when I really wanted to get Daryl.ie going, but they didn't do it for me. They didn't fix it. So like nobody is going to fix it. Nobody's going to do it for you. And like originally when I wrote this point down, I felt like it was harsh. So I changed it, but I did originally write down, no one's saving you. And I've always, always felt that like, and it's not negative. It's it's uh, it's very empowering to know you're the only person who can get yourself to where you want to go ultimately. And people care, like your family kind of care, like they care because they care about you and your friends care about you. But like 
they're not going to be there all day every day when you're trying to figure this out so I think knowing people will people will give you a little bit of help but you have to you have to know no one else is doing it for you I think that's so true and I know that whether as you say it be family or a business colleague or something and I've spoken about this before you know that moment when you're about to step out I hate the word of your comfort zone but you're about to go into your stretch or your challenge or your blind panic or whatever you want to call it and I think you know that's the moment where you literally have to talk to yourself and go do you know what it would be great if someone could do this, but actually, even if I could delegate it out, they're not going to do it the way I would do it. And therefore, there will be no learning pattern if I if I don't do this myself. So little pain for a certain amount of gain as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. And there's loads in my business that I do that I could delegate out. But I don't because I need to be able to feel it. And I need to be able to feel, you know, like... Our, the strongest part of our business I would say is the community like it's our it's our online community of women who just support each other and I have to feel what's going on I have to feel their pain points I have to feel what's difficult so I can try and find plug in some coaches for solutions and yeah so yeah I 100% agree that you know you, that you have to get your hands dirty to a large extent. But I also presume and I'm hoping this is the case and as the athlete that you are, you will hopefully be able to tell me. We, we do learn by our mistakes and our fumbles and our failings. I had so many bad days. Like I would have run like over 500 races, I think, in my career. And I had, I won five championship medals and then I had two fourth places, I think, which is pretty good as well. Um, so I probably had seven really excellent races, but in the scheme of 500, that's not fantastic. So like... I had so I had like I can't honestly the bad days were bad like when you're because you're so exposed in something like being an athlete you know it's and I even felt like that when I was watching the Olympics recently like it's, it's a lot of exposure when it doesn't go to plan you're, it's a very vulnerable position to put yourself in um but you have to be able to use the bad days to rebuild so you have to analyze you analyze a very honest analysis you learn from them and you move on and like in derval.ie like we like I launched a site twice that didn't work so the third version worked and we have like an app version of derval.ie now we're always making improvements on I sat in the office yesterday and I mindfulness is a big part of our content I went through all the mindfulness content and I slickened it up a bit on user experience and you know that's fine it's so I think you have to be very open to the fact that it's going to be hard you're gonna have bad days but like in those bad days you okay what was bad about it but like what was good about it like analyze it and it's very easy I think to be like quite catastrophic and be like it was all terrible as opposed to being like it wasn't what I wanted why you know what could I've done better what could we have done better as a business and how do we get better but then and I think this is crucial have to move on like so I would say on the bad days and like you almost have a period of time where you're like wallow like but then you have to move on and then you can't keep referencing back to it because you've got your learnings and you just go with it and just leave it where it is actually I love that and because I think women are especially bad at wallowing and marinating in our failures and not seeing the good things not seeing the wins or 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 not giving them anything like the weight that we give 
the hiccups and the trip overs and the everything else. Absolutely. And we're desperate for it. And like, I, I actively try not to be like that. I actively am like, ah, oh, that wasn't ideal. We move on. But I would say that's something I learned from being an athlete. Like I popped the first half of my career. I really, really took the bad days badly. And then I had a really bad time at the Beijing Olympics. And I made a decision after that, that I would never take it as personally again. And that I would only, on the bad days, I would still find joy in them. I'd be like, okay, but what was good about today? Because at the end of the day, sprint hurdles and even like my business, and I love my business. It's still a bit, it's not life, you know, it's not like we've all, and probably people listen, we've all lost people in our lives. We've mm. all suffered things that are far greater than jumping a hurdle badly or, you know, something not being aligned on the site, not looking well enough. So I definitely learned through harder days, like the stuff that blindsides you, that you're like, I didn't even consider that that could ever happen, that there's way more serious stuff. Mm. Um, so I think wallowing in it is is not good because the really, really hard stuff, that will take you down hard enough anyway. So move on from the other stuff. Yeah, Darbo, kind of off the point, but not hugely. Could you give us a little bit of chat about how to bring, because I was about to say consistency and routine into our lives, because I think so many people have, are saying they're out of routine, but they're not. They've just created new routines in the last 18 months that may or may not serve them too well. But in terms of getting on a track and staying on a track and showing up, could you give us any tips? So I think... I think it's really important. I think before you start anything new or you're trying to get into a good routine, I think you have to sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself where you go, right, what are my priorities? Because the one thing you're limited by is time. All of us are limited by time. So it's like, okay, this is how much time I have in the week. This is how much time I have in the month. What are you trying to fit into that? And is it realistic? And then you have to prioritize what you're trying to fit into it. So for me, I'm like, I'm trying to fit in running the business, making sure everything that goes on Durable.ie is as good as it possibly can be. The product business, making sure everything's really good with that. But I give almost equal weight to, I also need to be feeling well myself. I need to be minding myself because that's the whole reason I started my business. And I don't want the business to just be this flying success, but then I actually suffer personally because I'm not taking care of my own overall health and wellness. So then for me to do that, I know, okay, I need to move probably four times a week in a structured manner. Um, I need to walk every day. So then where do I fit that in? So I think sitting down with a pen and paper and figuring that out and, and looking at like, looking at all the different, like all the different areas is one of our coaches does, um, does a session and it's called the wellness wheel where it's all these different areas of wellness. And one of them actually that I hadn't considered, but I know it's hugely important for me is like the social side of it, like talking to people. So like, I'm such a talker, like I need to talk to people, I need to talk to different people. Different people bring me energy in different ways and on different days for different things. And like, I, so I have, to, I have to structure that into my week. So like, I know when I'm driving to the office, I'll probably ring two people that bring me a bit of energy and joy. That takes that box. I know like I'll move four times a week. So it sounds like a lot, but I think, I think we're also individual. I think I do genuinely, and I know I'm going to say this because I'm biased, but moving like, so moving your body, I think is massively important. And I think you have to meet yourself where you're at. That's another thing we would say a lot is like, 
where are you at movement wise if that's nothing that's absolutely fine but that's where you're at now what can you add in a little bit of because you'll only feel better all those endorphins will only make you feel good so I think having almost a little high performance meeting with yourself and just sit down nobody in the room no distractions leave your phone outside pen and paper and go I need to feel well and I need to feel well in each part of my life and that might mean as well like sometimes for me what I have to do is reduce my expectations on myself and go I actually can't do x y and z and that's okay and I just have to park that because you can like it's you know we all want it all and I think to a large extent you can have it all but not at the same time so it's like if you're if you're going to be thriving in one area then it means another area might have to take a back seat for a while and that's okay you know can I ask how often should you have a high performance meeting with yourself? I probably do one once a month with myself, me and my That's own okay. meeting. That's doable. Yeah. yeah, I do one once a month and I literally take, like I try and go somewhere, which was really hard during lockdown because there's no coffee shops open, but I go somewhere with a pen and paper and I sit down and I'm like, okay, because my life is so, and I, I know everyone's life is busy, but I, I always feel like my life's really busy. Um, and particularly the kids, like the kids have, the kids are amazing and the kids are the center. So that's another thing when I have my high performance, like I know for me, the kids being happy and healthy and us having a laugh with the kids is like the key. And how does everything else work around that? So I think, I think once a month, Melly, I think once a month high performance, I mean. Well, do you know what? That's doable. If we can't give ourselves an hour every month, oh. you know, and if you think of the saving on the other side, if you, if you give yourself that hour, what you're going to read back, it comes back to costing it out. Your 100%. first point, you know, you got to cost it in. <laughs> sometimes what people will do is they'll say, oh, "I don't have an hour to sit down," and then they, but then everything else they try and do will fall because they won't have put a plan through it. And do, I think don't take on too much. Like, try to do things that are realistic and look at your limitations. Like, what limits you? And that's that's just reality. Like, that's a limiter. Like, as in like I have a two-year-old and in many ways that limits loads of things I can do but that's fine because he's great but it is it does limit like me just being able to head off and do whatever I want whenever I want you know you have to go and get a job um uh, commenting on the Olympics in order to be able to go and drink wine after it yeah I know I I felt, <laughs> I felt like honestly that I should pay or she I was like I need to pay them for this holiday I've just been on because it was fantastic let's go on to your next nugget Derval. um this probably feeds into our point. Be accountable to yourself. We all worry so much about what everybody else thinks. Everybody's on Instagram, checking in. But actually, how many of us are being on our own for an hour, once a month, being accountable to ourselves? I would say not that many people. And I just think there's nobody more important in your life than that relationship you have with yourself. And I'm sorry if that sounds really indulgent and I awful, but like you're with you're with you're you're with yourself you're born you're with yourself the whole time you're in your own brain your own little voices you have going on you need to be accountable to yourself because like my husband's amazing we were eight years married yesterday but I know he's not going to turn around to me and be like okay Derv, what you really need to do now is go out and exercise for an hour you need to meet the girls and laugh about something he's not like he's so I have to be accountable to myself for what brings me joy and gives me energy. And unapologetic. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, yeah. And the guilt I think people feel is just, that's something I try really hard not to do. I feel some guilt when it comes to the kids 
it's a whole different type of guilt but I don't feel guilt about trying to live my best life and be my best version of myself and my most happy and joyful version um it's just not always easy to do but no I think yeah I think the guilt we have to park guilt well I think you know everything has to have another side so if you work hard if you work with your family if you you know if you're a good mom if you're a good friend if you're a good daughter if you're whatever you deserve a little bit coming back towards you and as you say nobody is ever going to turn around and go hello it's time for you to indulge yourself on a regular basis you shout out no absolutely not yeah. okay my next point is um be ambitious and realistic and then go after it so when I started out my running career I was like I want to qualify for the Olympic Games and that was actually quite realistic even though nobody from the outside was telling me I could do that and I wasn't again as I said I, I never tracked as someone who would go to the Olympics as a teenager um, and then as my career moved on I was like I actually want to make finals and try and win medals and that was realistic um, and then when I started my business I remember I remember having a meeting with somebody and it was all around like supports for women in business and all this kind of stuff. And I remember the guy in the meeting said to me, um, well, realistically, you have like probably two or three years that anyone cares about your opinion because you're a former athlete. And then after that, like you'll kind of become a bit irrelevant. So you have to capitalize on this in the next two or three years. Holy moly. And I was just like, mm, I get his point. And there is a point to that because, you know, you've got more profile when you're competing, I guess. But actually, I think... It was, it was, I was very ambitious in what I wanted to do with my business, but it was also realistic. I knew I could figure it out and I knew there was longevity. And I, I actually think my second career, like this career now and like the health and wellness space, I feel like that's going to be my big career. Like my, my running career is done and it's, and I love it and I'm so grateful for it. But actually this career is the one that I think will have a lot, as I say, a lot of that longevity. So I think being realistic is is really important so even though I think he thought I was probably being unrealistic but I was looking at like the facts and I think for people as well I think look at the numbers look at data data will always tell you so like if you have some big lofty goal then look at the numbers like so say for me it was like members members I want this many people to be members on durable.ie and then I but then I worked it back like I looked at okay how many women are in Ireland how many women are in that category that I want to work with and then, okay, what percentage is my goal of these women? So then it was a realistic goal. And then I just started going after it and starting to figure it out. So I think you can be ambitious and just pair that with realistic reasons to be ambitious and use the data to drive that ambition. May I ask, I mean, talking about going hard and being ambitious, you got an amazing mentor and now business partner in Gregor Gorman. How did, how did that relationship begin? Well, it began, it began because I think a lot of life is about putting yourself in a position for good things to happen. So I came to, I had loads of meetings with like local enterprise office who've been massively helpful in my career since I've retired. They've been amazing. I would, I would just say to people all day long, utilize the supports that are there. So local enterprise office, um, one of the things they said to me was that there was a female entrepreneurship course out in CIT which is now MTU and they were like oh you should consider doing it and like 
I had done like a master's in business and Smurfit, but like, I still didn't know how to set up and run a business. That's not what my master's was in. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to do this and went out. It was on every Saturday for six months. Then we'd loads of, we'd loads of assignments, business plans to do. And in that they were like, they just were like, okay, we have different mentors who are happy to meet people. And Greg was one of the people that was helping out because he had gone to college in MTU. So he was just kind of trying to just give back a little bit. So I contacted him and asked him to meet me for a cup of tea. And that's how it started. But, you know, I, if I hadn't kind of put myself in that position to do that course and put that time into that course. And even when I met him, like I had the business plan I was working on. And within a few days of us meeting each other, I'd emailed him that business plan and what it was before, you know, I met him in my house and brought him to the attic with all the, all the like things on the wall of what I was actually trying to do. So um, it was amazing. Like, and I'm, and I do, I do think it was a bit of luck as well, because this is a big thing for the two of us. Like we didn't know each other. So even though we're both from Cork, like we'd never met before. So we, we didn't go into it as, friends and like what I would say now is we're really good buddies like really good pals Greg's like one of my favorite people so we like 70 to 80 percent of our conversations are about the business and 20 to 30 percent are complete like crack like we're having a laugh about something but for me that was a good starting point because it was like if I if I start a business with one of my friends and this doesn't go to plan like there's a lot you've a lot to lose there whereas with Greg it was like we were both going into it very like okay, this is a business, like this has to be commercially viable. And how do we make it commercially viable? We're, we're just both in a really good place to start it. But also I would go back to like, you have to expose yourself. So like you can't just sit in your house with your ideas and your plans. You have to actually be going, reaching out to people, reaching out to networks. Like, and by the way, I met other mentors that it just didn't land at all. And that where I kind of came away from them going like, I didn't really get anything out of that. But that doesn't mean meeting mentors was the wrong thing. It just meant I hadn't met a person that was in a position to help me in the way I wanted to be helped, you know? And actually there's a good bit of takeout from that because I think it, a lot of the time we automatically feel because somebody knows more or has been through that path or whatever, that we need to make it work. But people are people. And, you know, you're an example of this. You just need to find the right fit. It's the jigsaw. You need to find the person who is on your wavelength, speaks your language, intuitively understands where you're coming from. And also, I think people often, and I would have been really guilty of this. I would have gone towards people who were like me. People who like um, were kind of really into health and fitness, find that interesting, where you know, maybe females and like, you know, but actually Greg hit none of those categories for me. He was so, but yet he was very experienced um, in sales, very experienced in the digital landscape, experienced in, you know, a busy business. And I had none of that. I had none of that experience. And like whilst we weren't going to go and do a Pilates class together and I can confirm we've still never gone and done a Pilates class together even though I've tried to bring him um that's okay they don't you're not you're this you're not trying to find a best friend like you're trying to find a business partner they're different things or you're trying to find a mentor but I would say the whole concept of a business partner it's something that I couldn't 
praise highly enough like like the fact that as well when the business gets hard and because it does inevitably and there's tough decisions to make and there's long hours and there's you know projects that are frustrating especially when it's tech um having someone in it with you is is for me it's that was massive um and it's been a massive way that our business has been able to grow that because you're never always going to be up like you're you're going it's kind of like the seasons you know you're going to like have some good periods where you're like really motivated and you want to take on the world and then you'll have other phases because there's other things going on like where you're tired but what's happened it's funny what's happened to the two of us is we've never been both tired at the same time so we've all gone through phases around like i think you're a bit tired and that and he'd be like you're a bit tired and but we've never we've never had it at the same time thank god so somebody I, can carry the can yeah and one yeah. person is all nearly always carrying it a little bit more actually at the moment i'd say i was talking to my husband about this last night i was like i think me and greg are in the same mental place at the moment i think we both have a bit of energy not excessive energy but enough energy because we've lots going on right now so um brilliant yeah it's great brilliant uh, another nugget from you Dervil. Okay, I'm going to go into my notes here because I've put them in my notes. I felt this was quite um, self-indulgent, but I enjoyed seeing these. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So this, this is one I'm sharing because it, it's one that my husband has told me a lot over the years. So he started, we started going out with each other in 2008 at the worst point of my running career. Um, and we're married now eight years. But he says, and he says to me all the time, he says, you don't need to show up to every fight. So um, I would be like, I can be very, particularly when I was running, I'm trying to describe it, like I'm very opinionated and I can be very blunt, but I also really care and I'm also quite sensitive. So I think because I'm quite opinionated and because I can be quite blunt and to the point, people don't realize that things can upset me then and then I can, I can be really bothered by something. So um, sometimes like something will happen, like particularly when in my running career and a decision would have been made it could have been about funding could have been something else and like I would just want to go like and fight it and just go and give all my thoughts and all my opinions and he just started saying to me like this isn't a fight you need to show up at like it's too much energy for you and it's going to cost on the other side of you saying what you feel you need to say is too great mm -hmm. so don't show up to this fight and I'm like okay and I started taking it on board and then then I came out the other side and, you know, started the business and there'd be different things at different points at the business where like, you know, I'd be frustrated about stuff. And he, I'd say to him like, oh, this has happened. And I think this, and he'd say, you don't need to show up to this fight. It's just not worth it. And he's very measured, very calm. And I, like, I think that's a good thing. And I think when you're on, like a good example of that would be um, on social media, you know? someone might say something or comment and like you're tempted to react and mm. then go I don't need to show up to this this is not where my energy needs to be spent you know I know what I care about people close to me know what I care about let's just let it go that's someone who has your back Derville isn't it yeah I guess so yeah and I think I think he sees he sees the consequences of being the type of person I am and like you know it's so funny I'd be really close at Mairead Ronan and Donica O'Callaghan, you know, and their joke about me is, um, that, like, which is probably a terrible joke, and I, keep, I should probably stop telling people this, but they keep saying that I'm secretly sound. So they're like, because sometimes people ask me something and I'll just give them a really blunt, like, well, look, this is how I think. 
And then they're like, you're secretly sound though. They're like, you're saying that, but you're only saying it because you think the person should think about things from another perspective. You're not saying it to be harsh. So, so Peter's always just like, it's not worth it. Brilliant. But sometimes he will say to me, yeah, I think you should put like, I think you should dig in here, um, which is good. But also what's really funny is with, say with me and, and Greg, my business partner, like, uh, like, Peter would get on really well with Greg and like they'd have loads of time for each other and I would get on really well with Greg's wife so I think even that dynamic it's like I'd be saying to Peter yeah Greg's opinion on this now with the tech is this but this is my opinion and this is and he and he just takes it all in and he's very measured and he'd be like "Mm, yeah I think there's something there but I think you need to look at it from that perspective I'm like right okay so it is funny brilliant brilliant now I know you have a final nugget but I'm going to do a quick fire round of questions with you and give you the final word then with your your last learning so can I ask you some very very quick questions yes tell me Derville have you a mantra or a quote that you say to yourself all the time I I used to um and I see it bandied about a lot um but right at the start of my career I used to write down in my training diary she believed she could so she did and that's my, it's everywhere now, but it wasn't everywhere like 25 years ago. And um, I just wrote it all the time. Um, so yeah, that's probably it. Brilliant. It's, well, it's a great one. Uh, how do you psych yourself up for a big meeting? Yeah, genuinely, I listen to music, and I, but it's ridiculous music. It's like, not no, the music itself isn't ridiculous, but the, the context is like, I would listen to like a Kanye West song. Like, like I was in the car, before I came into this podcast, I was listening to Stormzy. I'll be walking into the office and I like music puts me in a good mood. It, it like, it just makes my thoughts really positive. Um, I walked into the office the other day listening to like um, Destiny's Child Survivor. Um, Cause we'd moved, last week we moved office and such a big thing for us to move office. And I got the vomiting bug in the middle of it as did my oh, two sure. children. So I was, when I came in on Friday, I was like, this is my tune now. This, so always music. Brilliant. A uh, couple of questions on Ireland's fittest families. Um, when you're trying to, I mean, obviously each of the coaches has a different style yes. of getting people to hang tough a little bit longer or survive in the trenches or whatever it might be. When you're trying to motivate and encourage individuals, first question, do are men and women differently motivated and what type of technique do you find is the most effective? That's a really interesting question. Um, yeah I, people are just different it's not men and women of course are different but i would never put all women in one category and all men in one category okay I think, I think people are different but what i personally try to do even though occasionally i do end up like being a bit of a davy fitz and doing a little bit of a shout but i find that i i do the great i had two amazing coaches husband and wife and the greatest thing they did was they would logically tell me how to do something so they'd be like okay dear you need to plant your left foot here, move it by an inch, your right foot. It was always very logical and it was very calm and it was very like, this is what we want you to do. This is what the result will be from this and it will be excellent. It was, and it was very collaborative. So they would tell me their opinion on how to do it. Then I go, okay, well, what if this happens? They say, well, we think this. So that's, I think that's been my style because I would, I would say to them, so whenever we'd be doing an event I do we all do this walkthrough so I'd walk through and I go this is what I think from my experience of being on the show for years from doing these types of courses 
how do you feel about that? Because you're racing. I'm not racing. Like I'm not out there. So for all the, like I always want my families to do really well my actual goal at my families is they leave happy so whether they win or lose I'm like I want them to get into their car drive away from the competition and know we actually did everything we could do and we won hooray we did everything we could do and we lost and so I, I would say my approach to that coaching is probably calm and strategic mm. but very collaborative like and I will never suggest something for someone to do that they don't want to do so like I've had loads of things where I think one person should do one thing like up on a bike or do something. They say, no, we think the other person should do it for this reason. And I say, well, I don't have to do it. The consequences aren't really on me. Like I'm just a facilitator. Like, um, and the other thing is when I get in my car and I go home, I forget about it quicker than they do because I'm not doing it. I'm not a competitor. So I think that describes it. Yeah. Tell me about the person you've admired most on Ireland's Fittest Families and why. Oh, as... um. This is going to sound a bit mad, right? Well, I hope it doesn't sound mad. The person I admire most is Mairead Ronan. Um, because Mairead, presenting is so hard. And what she does, she ties the whole story together. So if you had fit as family without Mairead, she what she she does so much unseen stuff that people don't know so all of the coaches like we genuinely get on really well it's not like fake get on like we're good mates like we're mm. on whatsapp we go to each other's houses like we get on but also there's touchy moments and Mairead is the person she's like the UN like she's like <laughs> I think that was hard for Anna because of blah 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 and she lives she sees things from a different angle because she's not coaching so mm. um she impresses me how she go and those are long days you know and she's also come from she has three kids she's got a national radio show such a busy she has a business and I'm like for her to then even stand there and you'd have all the families around right and she's standing there and she walks into shot and there's a script and in the moment the script might be totally changed and she I'll look at her she'll take 30 seconds get it into her head and she will just bam deliver it down the camera and I'm like that is a level of professionalism. Yeah. She's outrageous. I, I think Marie Ronan is like a national treasure of what she does. That's a great answer. Um, I couldn't let you onto our podcast and not ask you for some nutritional advice. So early morning flight or big day ahead or big meeting ahead or whatever. What's the best breakfast or what do you think is a really good sustaining breakfast? Oh yeah, that's a great one. I'll always have overnight oats. Um, so I'll have my oats soaked in either milk or yogurt. I mix it up. Sometimes I'll just have regular milk. Sometimes I'll have um, just vanilla yogurt. Sometimes I'll have, actually every now and again, I just to go a bit wild and do coconut yogurt for a change. Then I'll have chia seeds in there. And then when I'm eating it the next morning, I put in loads of nuts and seeds and chopped up fruit. And I have that with, um, I do, I take um, a multivitamin every morning. I take this Go Health one that we have in our store. So I'll take that. So I'll have a glass of, then I know I'm getting water into me with Go Health. I'm also taking vitamin D at the moment because we're coming into that time of year. Mm -hmm. And I'll have that, then a cup of coffee, strong coffee. And then I kind of go, right, you've had your overnight oats, you've had your coffee, you've had your bit of water and supplements. You know, you can handle this. Go do it. Go do it. Um, where is... Where are your favorite places to eat healthy in Cork? Oh, um, see, that's a hard one because we're just coming out of COVID. Uh, I would eat anywhere. Like I, okay. 
honestly, I have two small children. So if I have the kids at me, I just want to eat somewhere where I can actually eat my dinner without the wheels coming off my life and everyone going bananas. <laughs> so my standards well near really low. Um, the path I, of least resistance. Yeah, I'm like, where can I bring the kids? Like that, like when my husband was away for 11 days, I was like, I honestly thought about bringing them to dinner to McDonald's because I needed a break in my life. And I don't even like McDonald's occasionally like about once every 10 years but that's what I but anyway did, so McDonald's is not my answer my answer is I love um and I don't get there enough Cafe Paradiso is lovely um Orso is a is a place Orso is really nice um there's a lovely sushi place Dishy is really nice uh the farm gate in the English market is gorgeous uh I love actually this was easier than I thought I love Nash 19 um mm. another place in town they just, I love their I love their lunches they do this like um open salmon sandwich with loads of leaves and salads and avocado and it's delicious with the coffee that's fantastic um and then West Cork like I love I love going to West Cork love spending time in Baltimore um the waterfront's a gorgeous place in West Cork then the Algiers bar has amazing food and I went to Pilgrims recently which um some people might have been to and it, it was an amazing food experience in pilgrims oh nice um obviously you are the great all-rounder but nobody is perfect so what do you delegate in your business that's a really good question i delegate um what do i de i delegate loads of stuff so like the tech like i i they laugh at me because a tech business and half the time i can't remember the passwords to get into anything so I delegate like, I think you have to know what you're good at in your business. Like where I think I'm good at is like the user stuff. So I'm like, as a, cause I feel I'm a user of my own business. Like I am, and so are my friends. So I'd be saying, so like I delegate all the ways in which things have to be built to get to the user using them. So mm -hmm. um, I, do, I try really hard not to get involved in the things that, I, that aren't my space. Um, so yeah, the tech, um, we have this this daily stand up meeting, um, which is cool, and um, one of the guys runs that. One of our guys, and I would love to run it because that, but I don't need to run it, and it's really good that he runs it. Um, the only thing I brought to it is recently I made everyone listen to the ludicrous song "Stand Up" for the first forty five seconds of the meeting because I thought it was hilarious. Um, and then I was like, "Oh my god, am I a really middle aged woman that thinks that that's really cool?" Because they were just looking at me. Um, so stuff like that, like, I think it's great to lead, but you don't always need to lead. So I would say in the business, I'm not, I want everyone, like there's six of us full time. So like, I want everyone's opinion to be as important as my opinion, because my opinion is mm. not always right. So I delegate, yeah, I delegate a lot of stuff. Is there something on your high performance list you want to achieve before New Year's Eve this year? That's a really good question. Yeah, there is. I'm looking at, and I, yeah, I wasn't even going to go into this, but anyway, I'm, I'm doing a whole rebrand and um, I really want to have that done by the time the clock hits 2020, because it's a really, really hard thing to do. And something that I have really embraced and it's about a three month project and, and it's so hard you know because the business is so tied up with me and my name and you know I feel like we it need the business needs something else now mm, and mm. um 
I hope that we find it, but it's so, it's so, um, it's so, it's so, tough, it's such a tough one. Um, and I, if we, if we found that, and if I was looking at it by the time the clock hit midnight, I'd be so delighted and proud of it going, yeah, you know, that's, that speaks to me. It speaks to our members because the members are so important, you know, that community, like without them, it doesn't, the business doesn't exist. So I want to create something that feels really homely to them that feels like you know their online health and wellness home and I'd be so happy if I'd done that by the end of the year well we'll all have to check in to gerbil.ie at 11:59 p.m on New Year's Eve and see if you made it gerbil gerbil I'm going to give you the last uh, the last point if I may uh, and give us maybe something to think about something to leave with Okay, so my very last one, yes, is um, I genuinely believe the world is full of opportunities. Um, there's opportunities everywhere. So you need to find the right opportunity for you because it's out there. So figure out what are your goals, what opportunity aligns with it and find it because we're living in an age where I believe so much is possible so much is doable um so just find that opportunity for you and i presume also find the one that's right for you not the one that people think is the right one for you yeah absolutely i would say i get landed with opportunities every day that are definitely not right for me so i think finding those ones that sit and back to like what's your value set what do you care about what are you trying to get where are you trying to get to and is this opportunity the one that's going to get you there and they're out there. They're absolutely out there. And, they're, and sometimes they're dressed up in a different way. Um, so do, do consider that and spend a bit of time looking at different opportunities. And, and, how, and sometimes it feels like you have to go back to go forward. Like even with this big branding project we're trying to do, saying to my husband, like, it feels like I need to go back over the past three years and then I can move it forward again. But that's the phase I need to be in right now with this. Mm. And yeah I just think people you know sometimes are afraid to go back but I think ultimately if it leads you to the right opportunity then it's the right thing to do. Brilliant. Devlin thank you so much so much food for thought there and very best of luck with the rest of the year and the rebrand and um, looking forward to lots more success with Derville.ie. Thanks for having me it's been a pleasure. I think we can all agree Dervil has achieved about three lifetimes worth of success and accomplishment already. But for the rest of us mere mortals, it's great to know that really it's never too late to start working on our high performance strategies and, and that one amazing career can lead to so many amazing subsequent careers. Thank you so much to Dervil for her time and great advice today and to the team at Image, Sophie Parr, Simone Kennedy and Bill O'Sullivan for their help in producing this podcast. The Work, Rest and Slay series comes as part of the Image Business Club, where we hope to inform and enrich your business lives with premium content on image.ie and a series of how-to masterclasses, currently virtual, but hopefully we'll soon be able to host these in real life so that we can also network together, which is another very important cornerstone of the club. The Image Business Club also includes a subscription to our Image Media Magazine titles, they are Image and Image Interiors, delivered to your door, 
and some nice Lux gifts and treats, including, if you're listening to this before mid-October, a free ticket to our Image Business Summit in partnership with PwC, which takes place on October the 20th and 21st. That's obviously 2021. Tickets have a face value of €75, but as I mentioned, we've treated each of our members to join the two-day event of speakers, keynotes, panel discussions and masterclasses on us. More information on the Business Club, the Business Summit and our other podcasts in the series can be found on image.ie, so have a look and see what takes your fancy. In the meantime, we'll keep the content coming. Thank you very much and see you again soon.